would reach life, would find life, would find eternity. In other words, would find heaven. In other words, would find God Almighty Jehovah Elohim. Would find New Jerusalem. Would find the streets of glory, streets of gold and the New Jerusalem. Eternal worship, eternal peace, eternal blessedness, eternal celebration. The way he puts it in Matthew 25, that the kingdom of God is like a wedding banquet, meaning an eternal celebration of worship every day. How awesome, how beautiful, how powerful it will be. How mighty, beloved people. Eternal bliss, eternal joy, meaning the agonies and the pain and the melancholies and the sadness, the depressions and oppression of this world will be essentially over, out of the question. He says that is the road that leads to heaven, walking the narrow way. We are now beginning to define stepwise the meaning, what the Lord meant. And I say that was my center today. What did he mean when he said, walk the narrow way? What did he mean when he commanded the church to be walking, to keep walking the narrow road, the narrow path? You have seen, in other words, he meant that the church should execute and be able in their worship to be beyond the reproaches of this dark world, to be above board in their worship and conduct, in their lifestyle, above board, beyond the reproaches of this world that many times ensnare the Christian faith, the Christian believers. In other words, we also, you could say, raised in the same topic as we saw, in the same scripture, in the same breath, he raised the caution on walking the wide way. So we would never be complete except we say beyond reproach, walking above board, walking with integrity, righteous walking, holy walking, exemplary walking. Shining the light of Christ. All these things, I use them now to slowly bring you into this discussion. But I would not enter the gravity, the weight, the weight of walking the narrow way, except that I also touch a little bit on what he meant by wide is the road. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to hell, to destruction. And many enter there. So the same book of Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23. Let's see what he says there. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is very powerful, beloved people. I have never seen a more powerful scripture. A serious caution while the gates of heaven are still open. A warning. How beloved is it for the Lord to raise this warning now that at the end of this sermon, many people may redirect their course, the course of their Christian walk, the course of their Christian salvation. In this dispensation, when Christian salvation has become candles, candles, one after the other. Oh, the pastor did this. Oh, abortion where? Oh, pregnancy where? Oh, 
before he lied about the prophecy to get money from people, uh, get money from a few millionaires. Oh, he said God wants to bless only a few rich ones. Oh, there is people living, loping and living without marriage. Oh, sexual love, all the dressing is what? How powerful a caution, a red flag that Jesus, and my Bible, it is in red. Jesus raised the red flag to this generation. He says again, the white road. I say, we would never be complete in commencing our discussion on walking the narrow path. In examining the thesis that Jesus submitted on walking the narrow path, on the doctrine of the narrow way, except that we look at the other side, walking the wide, the broad road, the wide way. He says the following, the book of Matthew chapter 7, I say 21 to 23. And he says the following, the caution. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's saying, there will be two types of Christian, Christ followers, Christian believers, born again people, those in salvation. One type that receive Christ Jesus as Lord and walk the narrow way, in other words, obey God, obedient people. And I couldn't underscore much more. I couldn't emphasize, overemphasize the importance of obedience because we just came from the message. We just walked out of the message of laying the right foundation and say, let me tell you the wise man, the wise builder, what he looks like. You see, he talks about he that lays, lays his salvation on concrete, on the rock, the foundation of the rock of ages, who is the Lord. And so, here too now, he's speaking very powerfully because he's saying one group of Christians, of believers, Christian believers, would be walking the narrow way as obedient people, and they see eternity. And he says now, this matter of the kingdom of heaven is addressing the church, clearly the church, strictly the church. And we are speaking at a powerful time when Anne Marie has been healed in Tampere, and many things have happened. I'm speaking on the face of such major happenings when the Lord has just created a new brain, someone that was dyslexic with dyslexia, where the left-hand side of the brain is damaged, and there is so much study that has been done on dyslexia. They have characterized it so well. If you look at the brain anatomy of those who are dyslexic, vis-a-vis -vis those who are normal as your control, you see a lot of changes. If you look at brain activity in terms of their ability to utilize the brain and those functions that fall on the left lobe, when you look at them, there are significant changes with the modern technology. When you can paint them, you can actually, you can mark them red or green based on activity. You see a lot of difference, which is how they were born. There is no pill. So we are speaking at such a time when wonders have happened in the church. How awesome that now we can harness that, we can adapt that to preparing for entry, to make substantive gains. So he says in the book of Matthew chapter 7 that there are those Christians who will say to him, Lord, Lord, and they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, in other words, there are those Christians that
that will not obey him, because you know very well from our previous discussion, it is ahead here, the wise and the foolish builders. He says, those that will say, Lord, Lord, but don't obey him. It's right ahead there. He is talking about those that will obey him and walk the command, walk the instruction, do the instruction of enter through the narrow way, the narrow gate, and see the kingdom of heaven. And he's also talking about another lot that will essentially not see the kingdom of God from the church, from the church, from people that say they are born again. And he says, they will walk the wide road, and to them he says, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of eternity, the kingdom of my Father, the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of glory, but only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. So there you go. He begins to center obedience again. So if there is anything that you wanted to add on your long list on what it means to walk the narrow way, then one of the things you are going to add there is called to be obedient, walking an obedient life, strict, complete, and absolute obedience unto the Lord. And then he says, verse 22, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name drive out demons, and in your name performs many miracles? Verse 23, he concludes by saying, Then I will tell them plainly, meaning publicly, meaning openly, meaning without fear, meaning in a way that everybody else will hear, in a way that they will understand very clearly and anybody else in that vicinity. And I will say to them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Who is this the Lord is talking to? The church of Christ. He's saying, based on the instruction to walk the narrow way, there will be two types of Christians, two types of Christian believers, two types of born-again people in the house of the Lord. Those that will obey the instruction of the Lord, thereby walking the narrow way, the narrow walkers, the narrow road, the narrow path, and those that will walk the wide way. And he said, those that walk the broad way, the broad road, the broad path, the highway that has many lanes, six lanes, four lanes, eight lanes, the wide way, they will not enter the kingdom of glory. They will enter where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth beloved people. And so that's why this becomes a very important conversation that now we see very clearly from imports. When we import it from the book of Matthew 7, 21 to 23, owing to what happened to the wide walker, to those who walk the wide way, the large way, now we see very clearly that obedience sits at the very center of the instruction that Jesus was giving the church when he says, please make sure that you walk 
if you follow me, if you are born again, kama umeokoka kweli, tafadhali tembeeni kwenye njia nyebamba. He saying, if you are really born again, please make sure that you walk the narrow way, the narrow road. As we advance this beloved people another point, another point when the Lord said and instructed and commanded the church that they should walk the narrow way. What did he really mean? He essentially now, I'm opening up a little further, he essentially meant living a life of separation, living a separated Christian lifestyle, a separated Christian life. Separated from what? Separated from the moral decay of this world. Separated from the evil, the wickedness that this world is exuding and throbbing today. The vibrant immorality and name it. We are going to enumerate them eventually. So he meant living a separated Christian lifestyle. And right there, whether you're listening from Oak Park, Illinois, in Chicago, or you are listening from Forest Park, Illinois, in Chicago, or whether you are listening from Northwestern, in Chicago, Illinois, or you are listening from Hyde Park, Hyde Park, Cicero, Polanski, these places, the South Side, wherever you are listening from in Chicago, or in Oklahoma, New Jersey, from Camden, or you are listening from the ends of Pennsylvania, all the way down, listening in Australia, Sydney, Canberra, wherever, Auckland, New Zealand, Boryong, South Korea, Beijing, China, Shanghai, one of the top busiest cities in the world, caught up in that. Wherever you are tuned in, Wulong province, Nanjing, wherever you are listening from, Madrid, Barcelona, from Santiago, Chile, from Sao Paulo, from New Brunswick in Canada, from Piscataway, New Jersey, so wherever you are tuned in from, there is a very important message the Lord is discussing here regarding eternity, when it's all said and done with this earth. And the Lord is talking about a separated Christian life. And when I mention that, in the context of walking the narrow way, I know that wherever you are listening from, I may not have mentioned your, the name of your city from Prague in the Czech Republic, Frankfurt, Berlin, from München, Stuttgart, everywhere. I may not have mentioned you, beloved people, but wherever you are tuned in from, when I mention this aspect of Christian walk, a separated Christian life, a separated Christian lifestyle, whether in Tampere, Finland, you right away begin to understand that there is an indictment upon the present-day modern church. Because now we could even stop here and have a non-stop, a ceaseless conversation on the redefining of Christian work in this age. Because they got it wrong. The majority of the churches, you see, they are walking the white road. Why? Because their lives are characterized 
by leaving the world. Their salvation is mixed with the world, is together with the world. Their salvation is not separated from the world. And this is absolutely contrary. It's a contrary. It's a conflict. It comes up against the instruction the Lord gave when he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to eternal life, to heaven, to eternity, to your Father in heaven, to your God. How awesome, beloved people. How mighty, beloved people. Because in our definition, in our pursuit, and we are pursuing this today to open up the instruction, the meaning of when the Lord says, walk the narrow road. And I say it very clearly that it's absolutely mesmerizing, it's astounding and astonishing, that when he says, walk the narrow road and the narrow gate, narrow door, then he attached the two together. And he brought the third factor, the word, eternity with God. The incentive for doing so, beloved people, that when you walk the narrow way, when you go through the Christian worship experience on the narrow path, your reward is bigger than the experience you go through on this earth in pursuing the narrow path. And so we have seen that he meant living a separated Christian life. And there is no better place to derive this conversation on separation that the Lord is trumpeting here on the narrow way than to read Exodus chapter 13, verse 18 to 22. There is a very interesting narrow way that we would like to borrow from. You will see in human history, in the history of mankind, in the history of the church, in God's engagement with man, there was always the instruction to separate out and walk the narrow way. And there is no better example than when the Lord separated out the Israelites from the Egyptians and put them straight, straightway, on the narrow path. So the book of Exodus chapter 13, beloved people, turn with me there. And reading from verses 18 all the way to 22. So let us see what he says, Exodus 13, 18 to 22. I'm so blessed that he could allow me to share with you the mind of God regarding the church at this hour. The first aid to the church, to resuscitate the church, to cause her to wake up and redefine her course for eternity. So the book of Exodus 13, verses 18 to 22. So I could start from verse 17. Again, we have the latitude. He says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road 
through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, that is very powerful, beloved people. Meaning, there was a shorter way. There was a way that would have been shorter to lead them from Egypt, separate them out from the Egyptians, and then in leading them to his presence, in leading them to worshipping him, he could have taken a shortcut, a shorter route. And he being the Lord, because you see him advancing, that if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. But you know too well that our God is sovereign, he is all-powerful, he could slay all the enemies at the same time and cause Israel to walk through just as he opened the Red Sea and they crossed over. Nothing is impossible to our God. And so, the most important context under which we read this is the fact that there was a shorter way. There was a shortcut. But he chose not to give them the shortcut. Let us see what he says on from verse, again, verse 18. He says, So the Lord led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready to do battle, beloved people. And then verse 19, he says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. Verse 20 is very paramount, beloved people. After leaving Sukkot, in Israel they call it Sukkot, after leaving Sukkot, they camped at Isam on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. Neither the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, left. Neither left its place in front of the people. So blessed people, that is powerful, extremely powerful, because he's saying that in our pursuit, in our scholarship tonight, in our wanting to understand deeper the meaning of the instruction, walk the narrow way. Enter through the narrow gate and walk the narrow road. The instruction to you, the believers tuned in, listening to me, you lovers of Christ, you lovers of salvation, now we are seeing that one of the main instructions from there that the Christian believer must be willing, those who subscribe to this, willing to walk a life of separation, a separated Christian lifestyle. And then I said, well, there is no better place to go and borrow from on separation 
other than to go and see the scenario of what the Lord, the same God we worship, did unto the Israelites when he separated them from Egypt and put them on a narrow road that goes through the wilderness. And now you see very clearly that there was a shorter way, but the Lord, for purposes will unveil here today, the Lord chose to pass them through the narrow road that is actually winding, has certain worship experience, has certain characteristics. The Lord, you can see, by intention and deliberation, he deliberated and deliberately intended that when the church, when the Israelites walk out of Egypt on their way to the promised land, they should pass through the longer route the winding route, the 40 years for a certain purpose, for a certain intention that is better for them. In other words, there were certain things on that way by design set up by the Lord that when they walked that way would mold them would shape them, would season them, would be able to chop them, to cut them, and size them up, and purify them, and polish them for the worship experience in Jerusalem as intended by Jehovah. And so we see very clearly that one of the big things that comes out of their beloved people that the church will borrow from right now is that, of course, there were many things that happened there, some moments when he wanted to do things. You know, there was a near lack of food coming up. But those were by design. They were designed to achieve a certain objective that I want to bring to your attention. And the objective, they were designed, all those experiences were designed, was the following. And for you, the church, you must see yourself now on the narrow way, that when you choose to walk the narrow way, and for those of you who have already chosen it and are tightening the narrow walk, there are certain experiences that you are going to go through or that you are going through now that were by design set up by the Lord on account of polishing you, sharpening you, enabling you, enhancing you, facilitating you and helping you to reach eternity that you may not fall by the way. And the purpose for which those things were designed is the following. Let me read again that you may understand. Then you see yourself also on the narrow path and the objective for the narrow winding way. He says the following. After leaving Sukkot, they encamped at Etham on the edge of the desert. Verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. That is the objective. That is the purpose for which he said, walk the narrow way, that you may encounter the Lord, that you may learn to depend on Jehovah, that you may have the worship experience where you meet your creator. You are God. No other way, no other place 
will lead you to this encounter. Hey! That you may meet your God. That as you worship him, he may come and be the integral part. Part and parcel of your work, beloved people. How awesome. How beautiful today that we can define this way within the context of the present day. The present day Christian salvation. That all of you now may redirect your course again and get back the narrow way. Get back to the narrow walk. The narrow road. The narrow path. Because he said, by design, he led them through a way, and through that way, he put certain things on the way that were intentional, were purposeful to achieve a certain end. And the purpose was to mold them, to purify them, to clean them up, to prepare them, to shape them, to equip them, facilitate them, enable them to be able now to achieve the benchmark of where they are headed to, the worship experience in Jerusalem, beloved people, that they may develop a relationship with Jehovah their God. And I hope you see the church too. How awesome that the Lord can hewn and set up a way for the church. And he says, enter through the narrow gate, for broad is the gate, and wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter there. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it. And then he says, on this matter of the narrow way, our God is the same, he is the God of Israel, my friend, my sender, Jehovah Mekadishkin, Jehovah Elroy, Elion. And he says, here too, he's saying, when he said, walk the narrow way, when he sent Christ Jesus the Messiah to direct the church, to command the church, to instruct the church to walk the narrow way, he essentially meant that Christ the Messiah should lead the church should tell the church that when you walk the narrow way, you would enter a separated Christian lifestyle. And once you have been separated, then now you are his people. Separated from the moral decay, the immoralities of this world. Separated from the perversion and the wickedness of this world that now you become his people, and in that place of separation, as you walk the narrow way, then you'll have a real encounter with the Lord himself. And those of you in Kenya, you now know the cloud came. Those of you in Finland, you now know the glory was there. You now know baby Amy stood up and walked. Now, unmarried, the brain has changed. She's reading the Bible globally. She's reading the Bible to the whole world in Finnish. Everybody in their phones, they're opening, and they're seeing she's reading the Word of God. How powerful. Those of you in Kenya, you've seen the cloud. And he's saying he meant living a separated life. And on that path of separation, there is a real encounter with the Lord. The tumors are being removed. 
The physical hand of God is touching people. What a mighty dispensation. Beloved people, as we proceed on, on separation still, he meant a separated life to separate your Christianity from the affections of the flesh. The evil and last full affections of the flesh of this world. And he says here, let us read again the book of Exodus 14 now. Exodus 14, beloved people. Exodus 14, I'm reading verses 18 to 26. And this is what he says here. He says, The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariot, and horsemen. Verse 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The water went divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jumped the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians say, let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord, their God, is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch your hand over the sea. Very powerful, beloved people. Some of the worship experiences that take place when you walk the narrow way. And at this moment, before I go into the blueprint of Christian salvation, and I will be able to bring you, beloved people, into the original blueprint of Christian salvation that the Lord our God designed for mankind, for the church. And when I walk through that blueprint, you will see certain deliberate hallmarks that was set up by the Lord deliberately and intentionally that when they walked the narrow way, that blueprint of salvation 
is directed. It is intentionally intended to define the narrow way. It is set up. It is specific. Nobody can change it. Hey. Then he says, a separated Christian lifestyle. But you see very clearly here at this point in time that in the last watch of the night, first of all, as they are on this way, they are able to see the wonders of God, the protecting hand of God on this narrow way. And so it is with the church, that when the church obeys the command of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, to walk the narrow way, to enter through the narrow gate and walk the narrow way, then the church also has this worship experience with Jehovah, that she will see the wonders of God. She will see the wonders of the Lord. She will see the facilitation of God. She will see the protection of Jehovah. It's an awesome experience where you get to meet the Lord your God face to face when the cloud stands before you, reassuring you as he fights for you, protecting you, defending you, and providing for you also. So while it may look unpopular, and some of the reasons why people fear it, I'll look at it later, one of them being loneliness. Why it may look lonely, at this point in time, now you see, we have been facilitated to understand it is actually full of company, the best company of all, the company of the Lord himself. What greater company then? The company of the Lord himself. And we see he's talking about the night watch. In the night watch, if you ever get chance to read from the book of First Samuel chapter 11, verse 11. First Samuel chapter 11, verse 11. He defines it very clearly. First Samuel 11, 11, he says, The next day Saul separated his men into three divisions. During the last watch of the night, they broke into the camp of the Ammonites and slaughtered them. The last watch is normally the time when the enemy attacks. It's normally the time of assault. The last watch is normally the time of assault. That is why he mentioned that during the last watch, the Lord turned like this, and look down unto the Egyptians, and there you go, instruct them. And so he's saying, for those that will walk narrow, the narrow walkers that will walk the narrow path, the narrow walkers that will walk the narrow road, the narrow walkers that will walk the narrow way, he's saying, whenever you will encounter anything, during the last watch, the Lord will look down and strike you are enemies. He will strike them down. Send them into confusion. Why? Because he says, I want to derive glory from your enemies. I want to be glorified before your enemies. 
I want your enemies to say, look, the God of Israel is fighting for the church. Hey, how powerful. How mighty. This is a tremendous time, beloved people. And he's saying, in the last watch, on that narrow road, you will see the deliverance of the Lord, which is part of the design that you may see his tender loving care, his tender loving protection, facilitation, safeguard, that he may safeguard you on the way. There are so many scriptures here that really bring to the fore this separation I'm talking about. And I may not have much time to read them, but Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. You can write down the scriptures and pursue them. Separation in Christian lifestyle. But for purposes of time, before we bring to a close our first session, Luke chapter 6, verse 22. What does he say? He says again, Luke chapter 6, verse 22, beloved He says, blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Christ Jesus the Messiah. How powerful for the narrow walker. How powerful for the walker on the narrow road, the narrow way, the narrow path. For he that enters, he or she that enters the narrow gate, he's saying that when you walk the narrow way, as we see in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, there are certain things that will happen to you. I could call them external insults, external assaults, intimidation, and subjugation by the enemy to try to dissuade you and deter you from pursuing the pursuit of righteous, the righteous way, the kingdom of God. Then he says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, meaning separate you and isolate you. Solo, yo siento solo in español. I feel lonely. When you feel like that on this way, and insult you, and reject your name as evil, because of the Son of Man, and reject your salvation. And sometimes you may be a lady and you're wearing a long jacket, you're covering yourself well, a long skirt, turtleneck, and going to work, and they're saying, how does she dress? Why does she dress like that? And then they begin now to hate you, to exclude you, and insult you, and reject you for the name of the Lord, he says, blessed are you because the blessedness of God is yours. You are the beholder of eternity. Hey, living a separated life. I have so much scripture, I cannot do all of them, beloved people. 
but I can touch one, two here and there. You are familiar with 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 18, trumpeting the treasure of being called my people, of separation. And we are elucidating, beloved people, we are unveiling the meaning of the instruction when the Lord says, enter through the narrow gate, walk the narrow road. That Christian salvation is defined by walking the narrow road. What then, what therefore is this walk we are seeing in the church where everything and anything goes? The entire world is in the church. They are sitting with the world. The world is sitting with them. And they are not separated then, beloved people. Matthew 25, verse 32. That's the one we are reading right now. On celebrating the instruction the Lord dispensed upon the church when he said the Christian salvation of heaven that leads to heaven that I bring you today. It demands that you walk the narrow road. What did he mean? And we are now seeing that he essentially meant walking a Christian lifestyle of separation. The book of Matthew 25, beloved people, turn with me. Matthew 25, verse 32. Still celebrating separation. The book of Matthew 25, verse 32. Still celebrating, exalting and towering high, raising the instruction the Lord gave the church, when he says, enter through the narrow gate and walk the narrow road that leads to eternal life. Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. Verse 31, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Verse 32, he says, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the gods. He will put the sheep nations on his right and the goat nation on his left. And then the king will say, to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your seats and your inheritance in the kingdom prepared for you since creation, the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger, and you invited me in to your homes, and I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me there. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you? Lord, when did we see you thirsty and gave you something to drink? 
When did we see you a stranger and invited you into our home? Or when did we see you needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison, Lord, and got over there to visit with you? Verse 40, the king will reply, Truly, truly, I say unto you, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brethren, these brothers and sisters of mine, so you did for me. Then he will say with the ones on the left, depart from me, you who are cast into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and he goes on and goes on like that. Then he finishes in verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to the eternal kingdom of life. It's very powerful here because it talks about separation. You see, the inherent nature, the internal nature of the coming of the Lord when he brought his ministry of the ministry of the Lord, the internal nature is separation, to separate his own from the world. And so that is essentially consistent with the instruction when he gave the church the command, the order, and he said, enter through the narrow gate and walk the narrow way. Walk the narrow way and enter the narrow door. It is very consistent with the commissioning, with the commissioning statement, with the brief that sent him when he brought his ministry unto humanity, unto us. You see very clearly in the Matthew 25, the extended reading I've given you, beloved people, you see that it's mainly centered on separation. The separation that is the instruction we are celebrating from the command for the believers to walk the narrow way. And he says inherently, internally, from its core, his own mission to mankind, to the earth, has been separation, separation, separation. To some quarters, he even says, I've come to separate the daughter from the mother, the son from the father. He goes further. The mission of Christ was to separate the church from the world. The moral decay of the world, the sinfulness of the world, the wickedness of the world. Those of you listening to me from Australia, from New Zealand, from South Korea, from the United States of America, from Edmond, Oklahoma, from Norman, Oklahoma, from Lawton, from Bowie, Texas, from Austin, Texas, from Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas. Listen to me all over the United States. Those of you tuned in from Toronto, Canada, from Quebec, all of you tuned in from Oaxaca, from Guerrero, Mexico, from Acapulco, from Puebla, from, from Federal, from Distrito Federal, Mexico, Ciudad, Mexico, from Apisaco, Tlaxcala, 
listening from Tapachula, listening from Chiapas, Mexico, hey. listening from Panama City, listening from Trinidad and Tobago, all the way, all the way to Rio de Janeiro, Argentina, Buenos Aires, from Concepcion, Chile, towards the end of the earth, all the way north up to Finland. Everybody tuned in, beloved people, globally. The Lord essentially celebrated a separated Christian lifestyle when he commanded the church to walk the narrow way. So the question is, have you walked in your Christianity and salvation have you walked the narrow way, a separated life? He celebrated separation as one of the treasures of Christianity. Separation from the world. Separation from the sick, moral decay you see in this world today. Separation from everything else immoral. The deception of the world. Falsehood. The pursuit of everything worldly. Immorality, sexual sin, the lusts of this world, sexual lust, full in the world. He essentially separated his church, the church that enters eternity. And that's why you see in the Matthew 25 that we read, he talks about the inherent nature of his calling, even unto the end, when he will separate out the sheep nation meaning the righteous, he says, then the righteous will answer him, and the unrighteous, those God nations, meaning when he instructed the church to walk the narrow way, it was an instruction to walk in righteousness. I am going to come back and continue celebrating this separation, after which I will go into the blueprint. Shalom. Shalom.